Today we're going to talk to RJ, one of the most interesting and enigmatic figures in the digital art space. We're going to ask him about his use of pastiche, concept art, and what it is that makes him tick as an artist. Artist Journal, June 14th, 2023, broadcasting live from Berlin and New York City on Rug Radio via Twitter Spaces. My name is Adrian Pocabelli, and we welcome back co-host, artist, and conversationalist to the show, Runtune. How is your week going? My week's going pretty well. Glad to be here. Uh, nothing uh, exciting to report, I suppose. Just kind of plugging away. How about you, Pocabelli? I am doing pretty good. The search for the apartment continues. It's just a web of madness out here. I think every big city is that way now. So that that is my main preoccupation, is finding a place to live. I have some leads, but of course, everything has like, you know, has to be qualified and everything is kind of like, yeah, it's always a story of some kind. It's a tight market, as they say out here. So that continues, but progress is being made, still making art, making very, you know, having very interesting conversations uh, which I'll hope to bring at a very few, soon, uh, this ordinals thing is the little teaser I'll give you on that one. That's getting very interesting Ooh. over here. So, so anyways, I'm always thrilled when you come on, Rin, because I'm always worried you're going to have a late night and you, you've shown up every single episode. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't miss it. I kind of plan my day and night and everything around this show. To be honest. Well, I totally appreciate it because, yeah, my Wednesdays are also planned around this show as well. So it is deeply appreciated and it's totally not unnoticed. RJ, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. And I'm so excited to have you on and everything. How are things going with you? Um, I'm doing well. Thank you for, for having me on. It's strange to sort of be on after watching so many artist journals and, and listening to these. So it's, uh, it's slightly surreal. We might still have a, a little bit of audio. The, the noise isn't so bad in the background, but you might need to talk louder. And it's so great to hear that you watch that show. I mean, watch the show. I, I, I you know, uh, it's always so amazing for me because it's like I, yeah, I found these, you know, your art on Tezos object, you know, probably about a year ago. And so it's always surreal for me, really, to be in this situation where I'm talking to these people and that they actually watch the show. I mean, it, it's like a daily, like, I'm almost like Groundhog Day, where I forget everything that everybody's ever said about the show, and I just start new. And I'm always kind of amazed that people are still watching. So I totally appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's um, a really useful useful thing for just seeing what's going on. There's so much, so much is happening constantly that... Uh, it's a nice sort of digest every day. It helps you sort of keep on top of everything everything that's happening. So it's always, always appreciated. Well, likewise, and I appreciate the comment. And so, yes, and it is amazing, isn't it? Like, I mean, despite, like, you know, sentiment being not so great in the crypto markets, it, it is incredible how much is going on on a daily basis. I mean, uh, it, it, don't you think? It's crazy definitely i think the amount of i mean within this sort of the the space as it were the amount of art 
that you can be exposed to the amount of sort of new innovative art that you can be exposed to all the time is crazy i don't think i've ever looked at anywhere near as much art as i do now being on just on twitter every day and seeing people constantly producing stuff that's really different and new and it's yeah it's 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 not as you say it's not really stopping people sort of complain about the market but keep on producing so it's just it's a really great thing to be able to do to just to log on and just constantly see all these really interesting pieces being made all the time it's great I, I agree. And it's almost like even if like crypto disappeared, which I don't think it will, but even if it were to disappear, it's almost like we'd use like views as being the new like, m you know, measure of how well a work is doing rather than than the amount of Tezos or ETH that you're selling for. So, yeah, I mean, it makes you just really bullish and happy about the space, really. Tell, tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, are you, it, it, I, if I had to guess... <laughs> I would guess that you're, you know, someone that went to art school or something and maybe even came out of painting. But I don't know. What, what is your background in the arts and where are you calling from, if you don't mind? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm calling from, from London in, in the UK. Um, I, I didn't go to art school. My background is, is in literature. Um, I, actually, I actually started off studying classics which is why I get very excited whenever I see you mention Plato. Um, and then I did a master's in modern literature, and then I did a PhD in contemporary literature. And so sort of came out of that the end of 2020, 2021. And uh, yeah, sort of how, how I sort of first got into NFTs, because I came out of that having done some writing, and I thought that... Um, it might be an interesting thing to sort of put it on the blockchain. So that was sort of how I got into it, how I got into it. But yeah. Have you, um, have you always had an interest in art? Yeah, art's always sort of been there and definitely from reading a lot of sort of art theory during the PhD, there's sort of been, it's been there alongside the sort of literature. Um, so it was a nice little pivot that wasn't too uh, sort of outlandish. It's quite interesting to me that that's the case, because it seems to me uh, that you kind of have this, what I almost am tempted to call, for lack of better words, like a natural eye. Because <laughs> they're, you know, as I put it, like it, your works, I, I find them quite poetic in like there aren't many works that I actually buy on East just because mm. they're so expensive uh, for me. But it's sort of like uh, I'm always really excited uh, to pick up a work because I just feel like there's something to these works uh, that, you know, what I guess, you know, I guess it comes down to who you were really uh, influenced by. And I guess that's kind of like the title of this mm. uh, program today. I mean, it seems like you're very influenced again by, I think it's, is it Edward? Hopper? I always say Edward. I, I, have, I have no authority on this though. <laughs> Yeah, and and Hockney, yeah. David Hockney seems to be another, you know, just this. So, what is it uh, that kind of turns you on, so to speak, in visual art? It seems like there's something kind of particular, maybe something about the light, the you know, the psychological aspect, which maybe harkens to your kind of literary background. Can you just talk a little bit about you know what excites you about the visual arts? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, visual arts primarily. I think what's really interesting about it for me 
is that it's sort of a means it's just the fact that it's a means of communication that isn't verbal so whatever you're trying to communicate the idea of to me of a piece of art is that it's sort of super verbal so that it's doing something you can't otherwise do so it, it sort of should be it should sort of say something inexplicable really i think is what i like about sort of visual arts um and then yeah definitely the the sort of the the hopper and, and the hockney uh, uh, pieces that or sort of artists and and that i find sort of just really sort of stimulating to look at and i think it's it's something to do with the sort of with the interiority i think i like i like sort of domestic scenes and i think that there's something about the way both sort of hopper and hockney paint even though they're not you know it's different slight different sort of points in the in the sort of 20th century there's still there's something slightly inaccessible about both of them it's interesting looking at your work like you know i've seen a lot of hockney i've seen a lot of hopper but i never really like drew a through line mm. to those artists bodies of work like they seemed like such they've always existed as such different artists but like you're using their kind of attachment to the interiors as you're you're saying is like kind of bringing them together like much closer than than i had previously you know seen them yeah as. i think there's there's definitely something about especially those sort of the the double portraits of of hockney the way in which the sort of sort of figures uh relate to the, the sort of environments that they're set in that has a very sort of hopper-esque feel, feel to me. And and I think they're both working in a sort of a history of sort of, uh, in, in sort of the history of realism, but but doing so in, I think, as you said, probably quite a sort of psychologically informed way that sort of says something about alienation from either sort of other people or for, or some, sort of the environment around you and i think that it just i don't know whether it was sort of lockdown or um so i sort of got into making all this sort of during lockdown i thought there was there was something that was still very relevant about that feeling and and there's something i think that's relevant about it in web3 in particular because even though we're sort of connecting on spaces and we're tweeting your day and it's still primarily this sort of solitary activity of being at home inside alone with a computer or yeah, laptop there's, and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of uh you know research to show that our even though we're plugged into something that's so massive everything on twitter this everything on the internet you know you don't usually step away from the internet with a sense of like, yeah, you can, it's easy to step away and with a sense of loneliness, you know, despite the connection you might be making with other people through yeah, the internet. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that that becomes really interesting as well when you're using the internet to sort of make or look at art, because I think so much of, looking at art if you're sort of doing it in person it is about sort of the the experience or perhaps some sort of 
form of emotional reaction you, you might that it might sort of trigger standing in front of a painting for example so i'm sort of interested in what the feeling is when we're looking at sort of our on our you know scrolling and looking at our, on our laptops and how how is it different uh, looking at art in sort of person and and there's there's sort of questions that i don't really have answers to but i think that there's something about so that that sort of very strong sense of interiority is is something that i find sort of really interesting in these paintings and then i think they're interesting because of that element of um of yeah disconnect that we might also experience maybe they express something about that disconnect we might experience even while looking at sort of our online friends are on twitter which is sort of counter to what you might expect art to do maybe if art is sort of generating feelings of of sort of connection or a sense of sort of i don't know communion community then does it really do that through a screen i, I don't know well, yeah, and I think this is super interesting. It, like, in a sense, there's something very, tell me what you think about this. Like, there's something very, I would say, modern about your work in the sense of like, almost like capital M modern, almost like turn of the century, almost like the alienation that you find in a lot of writers like, you know, James Joyce, maybe even Hemingway a little mm. bit, and just like the sense of alienation. And it's almost like you've, you know, for lack of a better term, appropriated that kind of alienation that, again, is kind of pre, almost like World War One mm. type of, of sentiment. And you've kind of recontextualized it, recontextualized it as a kind of, in, in the in the, in the context of our relationship with technology, as you're saying, with the screen and the sense of alienation kind of reimagined in the context of the, you know, the age of the internet where we're all together, but all alone at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I think I can't remember off the top of my head, which one it is, but I think the Nighthawks by Hopper was supposedly inspired by some Hemingway story as well. I think the killers, I think it was. So definitely. Is yeah. that right? So I think it all, it does oh. all, all tie in that's that's uh yeah definitely not far off very interesting so now you've used a lot of and correct me on the like i still am always like am i using pastiche right i'm pretty sure i am uh you use a lot of pastiche mm. in your work where you'll use another painting as a you know uh, a kind of as a launch pad so to speak and then you'll maybe add a laptop or a screensaver and this sort of thing have with that recent series that we saw in yellow and green which i thought was so thoughtful uh and enigmatic uh are you still using pastiche this is my burning question for you rj are you still using pastiche there or are you starting to make your own compositions so, here this is sort of really interesting and it was very good fun to to sort of i actually sort of watched you looking at these and sort of having this question because I think that sort of slightly that sort of sense of uncertainty is definitely something that was sort of being punted at for that. But they are not direct uh, pastiches. Instead, they're based off of AI compositions. I, I love it. I, that's what I yeah, suspected. So, so this Actually, is. I was like, so the original the, the compositions brilliant. are made from sort of yeah. Hopper, Hockney-esque 
sort of AI products that I've then painted and then added in. So it's sort of like the way in which the pastiches would have been working is now happening off of a sort of, and again, this sort of comes back to something you were talking about a little while ago about sort of copy. It's, it's a copy of something that doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> you right. know, it's interesting looking at um, a few pieces now where I'm seeing both the Hockney and the, the Hopper. I think part of the reason that I see these two artists as being so much closer is because of the way that you've created these images where the AI kind of takes the things that made Hopper so particularly himself and, uh, and, and everyone else so particularly themselves, it kind of blends them in and it makes it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the sort of that uncertainty is, is really, I think um, a key, a key element there for me that, that sort of, which, which if you're sort of aware of the sort of previous work on the sort of computer art collection makes, makes a bit more sense, but that sort of, that feeling of is this real or not does this refer to something that already exists or doesn't it is is something that i'm sort of really sort of interested in there and and i think in a way it sort of is an extension of the sort of the presence of the of the laptop as, as sort of the idea as sort of put in the descriptions is that we're never not in contact with with the internet now we're never not apart from technology or even if we are it's only until we get back to it and sort of that's what's underlying these paintings themselves is that they're actually uh, they're sort of root a product of this technology as well yeah so go ahead Rintun. i i'm i'm just kind of curious you said that like so all the stuff that we see on the blockchain that you've made um you said you started making those uh during like the the original lockdown from covid mm. um were you doing were you doing stuff like this before that so i was doing the actual sort of path i took when i started was as i, as I said it was sort of first sort of text-based so i'd sort of i'd written this sort of novel and i thought oh i can maybe stick some on the blockchain and then and then i thought oh maybe i didn't actually do that very well and then i sort of started doing the very first thing i made way back on sort of hick and nunk was some sort of uh it was like an interactive poetry um sort of thing where but i couldn't quite figure out the interactivity and so i had sort of these uh google docs where you, you could sort of request the link and i'd send the link and then you could arrange the, the poems on a sort of set background and then screenshot them and I'd upload and mint that sort of thing. And so I was doing a little bit of text work. Um, and then the first sort of step towards this was really what's this, this, the sort of Genesis piece now on my sort of uh, on object, which is when I started then combining the text with these sort of computer screens so that the computer was sort of speaking out. Um, and that was sort of where this path sort of started so it was it was very much sort of a screen in a room but from that point it sort of broadened out to look more into sort of how is what we're doing here related to the sort of traditional art world very interesting 
fascinating. And just as far as you, you mentioned Hen there, mm. RJ, how, how did you get, like, were you a crypto person before you kind of got into the NFTs or did, did, you know, were you brought in with the 2021 bull market like many people? And all of a sudden, just thought, "Hey, why not? Let's uh, let's participate in the incredible speculation where everybody's getting rich making art." Uh, how? What's your story as far as just you know finding yourself with NFTs and crypto? Yeah, it's sort of it was it was sort of the other way around, really, in that I had something creative that I wanted to share and put out there, and I I'm quite impatient, so looking at sort of sending this piece of writing off to publishers I, I couldn't bear the sort of waiting period so I, I started looking at how else I could uh, you know put, put this thing out there and and came across sort of the blockchain technology that way so I was I was not not unfortunately not a sort of investor who was making a making tons off of the bull run but happened to sort of come in anyway at the same sort of time and the yeah, I had a great time on sort of the early, early hen, early hen days. It was a really great, just sort of environment and an atmosphere, and there was a real sort of urgency for all of the, all of the art. I think it was just really interesting and and definitely something that I thought, oh, I want to sort of stay stay involved in this. This seems just really good fun. And you you said that you started with writing. So were you actually putting? Like, I didn't quite understand that. Were you putting writing on the blockchain somehow? Not quite. No, I had sort of. Um, I don't know if I if I'd be able to find them now, but I had. Uh, they'd be. They must be there somewhere. I uh, sort of on a on a different wallet, I think, which I probably lost all the keys for. But um, no, I I had sort of. Um, they were like collages and then I had sort of sections for sort of nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs and they were movable. So you could, it was on sort of like a, it was on visual art, but then the words were overlaid and you could move the words around and, and create a poem yourself. So it was sort of, the idea was that the the reader was, was the sort of poet. <laughs> Fascinating. And welcome everybody who is uh listening in here feel free to join us on stage you can come hang out with rj and rune tune and hang out here and ask him a question if you have a burning question just send me a request to speak i will bring you up and so rj it seemed to me perhaps that you had taken a little bit of a break at some point maybe i don't know six months or a year ago did, did you take a little break yeah at some i think point the, it seemed like you kind of came back yeah, the, and the back end of 2022 i think i had a sort of couple of months off and then so coming back this i think i sort of started up again probably about jan january this year yeah and uh yeah which was sort of my first foray onto into ethereum and, and how have you found that? I mean, I think you've done fairly well. I mean, I remember when you were posting, like on hand, it was doing okay. But it seems like you have actually done, like in terms of a from market perspective, but it's like, and it was doing well. Yeah. Uh, and I was out there collecting with others, but it seems like you've, you know, really started to build something uh substantial here in the last few months and uh, how does that make you feel i mean i i mean again you never really studied art but does that make you really does it grow your ambition um, as an artist definitely i think there's it it's 
again, it's so it's all just really interesting. I think there's there's so much here that's so interesting that I sort of just need to keep thinking about it. Um, with so with with Hen, for example, I'm always I'm always interested in why and how the markets differ, um, and I again have don't really have answers for it but it's it's sort of interesting to me that that tezos does just seem or or work that that's placed on tezos does just seem um to struggle to attract the same sort of the same sort of pricing and and i probably don't know enough about the actual sort of blockchain to and the different sort of currencies to really understand why that is but um i've found yeah ethereum really sort of work and and i think that it's perhaps something to do with even things like like user interface i think the the sort of the paratex of the way the arts the way the arts sort of presented a sort of important and i think that i think foundation does that does that well i think it's it sort of sits i think sort of painting sit slightly more predominantly on foundation that that helps sort of back up an idea of sort of value somehow um not i think you might be onto something there like maybe just the big thumbnail itself you know and i also like how they're it for whatever reason the default on foundation seems to be like you know start an auction where it's on object, sometimes it feels like you can start an auction, and unless you're like really hammering away at Twitter, you know, uh, every hour, yeah. that people will forget about your auctions and uh, very easily. Like I've picked up all sorts of work that people just forget yeah. about, but if they knew about it, they would have happily have bid way more. Yeah, definitely. You know? I don't have I don't have nearly as much experience with ETH based. Uh, minting but i think part of the reason is because of you know the gas Mm. situation with people are minting far far less frequently with with object with uh tez you can you really don't have to worry about about an artwork doing well or not like you can just put something out as much as you as 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 frequently as you choose and there really aren't uh enormous consequences and i think it's the um you know, most people are not going to mint as frequently on ETH mm. because of that. And so when you are looking at artwork that's uh, on the Ethereum blockchain, you know that this is, you know, kind of the slow and steady, this is a serious piece. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's all just, it's, it's really interesting, I think. But actually using Tezos is, is even not just even not just the gas fees but the actual use of it 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 feels quicker it feels sort of more responsive and straightforward and and i don't know i think i i personally find for me i think i personally find doing things like additions more stressful i think we're already doing a lot through sort of creating and marketing and for me sort of choosing additions and prices is almost the hardest bit I, I i find that it's just much more straightforward to have a one out of one at this basically set price i think that just takes some of the sort of stress out of that for me and 
I'm trying to bear in mind anything like what was this last price stat? Well, if this is an a greater number of additions, how should the price respond to that? All of this is, I think, as much as a curse as a as a blessing sometimes. <laughs> totally, yeah. it's a learning yeah. experience every time. And there's nothing worse than like I just did that. I just minted like forty, and then I was like, "Oh my god, that's way too many." And then I was like, an hour later, I'm burning twenty five. Like, okay, you know, like to your point, yeah. it's a learning yeah. experience every time. And whenever you think you kind of have something figured out in that respect, uh, yeah, then you learn some more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, I want to actually I just you touched on the user interface uh, part and. That's something that's kind of excited me for a mm. long time is actually just the the user interface as subject matter, mm. uh, you know, as a kind of clue into it's kind of like a, you know, I think uh, I don't know if you read Ballard in your contemporary yeah. uh, literary studies, but it's kind of like this anthropological uh, set of, you know, he talked about ATM mach machines, mm. you know, like how he, you know, just examining an ATM machine is some kind of anthropological exercise to kind of understand what humanity mm. is and what's going on, what is human nature. And I feel like the user interface also provides that kind of these clues really into who we are and what it's, you know, what we're all about. Uh, is that part of what draws you to them or is it something else or all of the above? I think, well, I think a couple of things based on that. I think there's um, one thing, one, one thing I really like in, in sort of quite a lot of the, the art that's being put out or, or in some of the art that's being put out at the moment is, when the sort of the the interfaces of or you see sort of the, the brushes of photoshop or the palettes being being sort of included in in the artwork itself um and i think i sort of or or even if anything's referencing the sort of the the interfaces of foundational or object or whatever it might be i i see it not quite so much from a sort of anthropological point of view but i see it more as a sort of I tie it more closely to the sort of postmodernist mode in literature where it's sort of a foregrounding of the um, of the of the objectivity of like the book itself or um, or the process of of creation so i find I find that sort of inclusion of the sort of the i think I called it earlier the, the sort of the paratext of the creation really just really interesting in 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 the artwork itself um but when it comes to the sort of the actual user interface of, of being on something like foundation I, I think it's more i think that we're not just trying to sell stuff basically that there's got to be an element of sort of exhibition you could you could mint things and never sell them and just sort of have your page as your own sort of exhibition page as it were and i, I think sort of the closer things bec move towards that the sort of nicer the experience would be almost um and i think foundations are a little bit closer to that the, the way the sort of collection pages sort of function i think it just looks a little bit more gallery-esque there is something you know, sorry go ahead Richard. Yeah, I was just going to say that's like a very interesting uh, extension of, I think, the conversation we've had many times uh, amongst ourselves 
talking about oh well if crypto goes to zero and everything's wiped out we're we're still here producing i think you're i think you're touching on something that's kind of important because you know social media has always been around tumblr's mm-hmm. been around all these different sites that i can think of from my childhood where it was just kind of sharing art and ideas and images it de- it doesn't have the same those those places never had the same feeling yeah. to me as exploring art on these platforms that are blockchain based where there's a market behind it and it and you're right it's it's this kind of um this curation is is happening in a different mm. way yeah I, I i wonder if it's definitely it's there's there's a certain effect i think when the i don't know whether the market itself and the ability for something to be sold means that perhaps it's taken seriously in a way that it isn't on something like Tumblr. So the actual viewer experience of looking at something on Tumblr versus something that's potentially trying to be sold is, is sort of, is, is a different one. And perhaps the thing that's trying to be sold is, I don't know, it's given a little bit more, more sort of esteem. I, I don't know. I think that, but I think, so things like the, like the gallery app, for example, that I think there, it's just really nice to, to see digital art be given a sort of home that respects it as art uh, as opposed to perhaps more sort of social media content i think there's also something to be said about you know the artwork itself being simply part of a blockchain Mm. like you know i can't put a physical painting on the blockchain i could take a photo of it and do that but there's some there's some sort of extension to the content that we're sharing through blockchain based platforms that I think there's something there's something there that's like kind of in the back of our minds where it's like it lives it lives in a certain yeah. dimension that is kind of it's new it's not the same as just like sharing photos on social media yeah. and if I think about my own experience sharing uh, art and and things on social media versus the way I operate sharing things on object or foundation, they're totally different. The motivations are totally different. The the kind of the way I edit myself is totally mm. I, I mean, like I'm assuming that you've you've had experience sharing artwork or or your creative stuff on something non blockchain I haven't based. I haven't. No, this is why. Been, you, yeah. Wow. So this is this is really the first. Freak, yeah. The first kind of. So wow. This is why I'm sort of so yeah. Find it really, really interesting that there's a whole the the standard way of doing it is doing it putting something out there into a sort of uh, I don't know I don't know what it must have been like a void where it's sort of being seen <laughs> and that's yeah. it where, where you know the idea is I hope people see this and like it I think the experience of looking at something that's being put out just to be seen is probably different from the experience of so, looking at something that is blockchained and purchasable I, I don't know how how it like how i mean that's kind of interesting to me like how what what how would you describe your relationship to like sales and 
I mean, I'm assuming like, just like anyone else, you're excited to make a sale, obviously, but sometimes it feels to me like if I don't get a sale, it means that the artwork was not very interesting to the audience. Yeah, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that um, probably everyone has that thought to, to some degree and probably feels that whatever they've made is not good enough if it doesn't sell but um i think i'm sort of and i'm just that's you know that that is more of like kind of the base you know sort of reaction to something even though if i know you know consciously like okay that that's not necessarily the case it's just one of those kind of like emotional reactions that can that can happen when sharing creative work through the blockchain i think it's um it's sort of a difficult cycle though it's a a tricky cycle because i think that if one sort of pandas if one is sort of trying to create art or something that is likely to be popular then ironically it will probably be less so um is sort of a feeling i i have i think that sort of with regards to sales myself at the moment um yeah it's it's nice because it's a mark of appreciation that somebody wants to hand over something sort of physical in return for this sort of abstract ownership of something it's sort of the most the sort of serious sign we have that yes i like this basically but i also think that um for me at the moment just the whole just being able to sort of participate in this whole ecosystem and have stuff to think about all the time is like mostly what i get out of it so i'm sort of happy just to sort of sit here and sort of think about these things and like have the opportunity to put put it out there and if people like it that's like brilliant but i'd probably still be doing it if they didn't anyway (laughs) just because it's just really an engaging thing to be doing i don't think there's anything i don't think there's much more exciting going on in sort of contemporary culture right now than this so just getting to sort of i would have to agree i I would echo that sentiment and I'm glad you feel that I'm glad you voice that. That's a very, actually very interesting kind of simple, but very profound thought. Cause I completely agree. I mean, if I thought there was something more interesting, I'd probably talk about <laughs> that, you know, and at least like kind of like pivot into that, but it's like, I completely agree. And what's so interesting too, is it's maybe like two or 3000 people. Mm. It feels like sometimes, you know, there's a lot of familiar kind of quote-unquote faces out there and just on the selling i mean it's kind of like my take on this is it's like there's a real like brutal market dynamics and it does i think shape uh the art to Mm. a certain degree and i actually think it's healthy for the most part like i think it's forcing people to make art that people want to buy and there is a cost to that of course in some cases you don't need to have to sell your work you know you can have experimental work that you're okay with not selling Uh, but i think it does force people to kind of bring their a game because in a weird way i mean as runtun was discussing the social media versus 
say the blockchain where you're selling work and how that's kind of different. I agree. It's almost like in its own way, as small as it is, and sometimes as low as the sales are a few dollars, it still is a professional platform yeah. because people are buying and selling. There is an audience out here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I know you've, you've mentioned on sort of various sort of artist journal shows that actually the, the fact of selling anything at all is, is now possible and, and happening, even if it's not quite the same as the sort of 21 bull run. Um, just that fact alone is, is still sort of astounding that that's, that that's possible and, and happening regularly. I mean, if you look on object, the sort of daily, daily sales, is, it's always churning away. It's incredible. I mean, yeah, like, so there's a lot to be kind of hopeful and grateful for. And again, if anybody wants to come on stage and join us, your chance to ask your burning questions to RJ, simply put a request and I will bring you on stage. RJ, you're talking about a lot of kind of just deep thoughts here. I want to go back to a little bit your literary training so like Mm. what did you what was you said it was like contemporary literature because i think this kind of shapes a lot of what you bring to the table maybe in a certain way even though there's no words we might call it kind of a there is a literary feeling to your work again i think i like joyce and just Mm. like again this alienation of the modernists uh and so talk a little bit just about like what did you write your thesis on if it's not too complex no um yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely shaped very sort of directly what what I make, and yeah. So even it sort of like stands as sort of what art school would have been, basically. I think, but um, I wrote on um, the way in which exactly those sort of authors are used in very contemporary writing after postmodernism. So. There was a lot of sort of postmodernism in there, then sort of asking what comes after postmodernism. And my sort of answer was a return and a redeployment of a lot of these sort of canonical modernist texts. So the sort of way it was sort of about the ways in which writers of the 21st century were exploring and referring to and then using uh, those writers like Joyce and Proust and other people from sort of 1920. Fascinating. Because it, yeah, I mean, it seems to be almost, you have a direct visual translation. <laughs> yeah, I think that, so. So, yeah, uh, a lot of it was sort of about the, the sort of theory of intertextuality and how sort of precursors are looked back to and then sort of responded to and and sort of how that idea of influence is sort of negotiated and yeah so when i'm sort of pastiching or referring back to a lot of this art it's it's the same sort of modernist type art that i was sort of the of the same period of the sort of the modernist text that i was sort of working on and and a lot of it just sort of a lot of those interests have just sort of been directly sort of translated across because now is this sort of period of, of sort of transformation and, and change where there has been this sort of new technology that's opened up a whole new sort of arena of, of art. And, and I think it's sort of interesting at this moment to sort of think about how it sits next to and alongside or with what's come before. 
it's interesting how yeah i i guess i hadn't you know this this question that you just posed like what comes after postmodernism and you're saying it's this like return to the canon we that's what we see every day uh with nfts and the stuff that pokobelly shows on his journal is these artists kind of returning to the classics and rehashing them in a in a modern way yeah i think that if you sort of look at the i don't know very broadly i'm speaking again mainly in sort of book terms because i don't have that sort of art education but if you sort of look at the sort of postmodern as sort of destroying sincerity through sort of irony then after that there's a bit of a sort of okay what do we do now now that everything has been sort of deconstructed where do we go and sort of the response to that is often to sort of look back to what came before the sort of deconstruction um and even if it's not being used in the same way it's still sort of perhaps present as a as a sort of touchstone but um yeah it's 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 interesting because i didn't i sort of i feel now that i see a bit more of that i think of um but it was interesting to see to sort of seeing seeing it happen on sort of a micro scale with things like well, it's basically sort of meme culture as well. It's sort of these touchstones are also being created at the same time. And then these sort of new memes like Pepe being sort of like remixed with sort of classical sort of iconography is, is just bizarre to see happening in like real time. It's like, what is going on here? And it's just, yeah, really interesting to, to sort of to see it happening after having sort of studied it in books. <laughs> then get to watch it playing out live is, is great fun it is quite interesting and it's almost like this it's almost like an unconscious um, embrace of the tradition in a certain sort of way it's a it's a way of just yeah like who knows uh, so uh, as far as uh, the writing just to tie a bow mm -hmm. on that whole uh, subject so do you have it sounds like you have like writerly ambitions is, is that a fair uh statement uh, fair but they're sort of backburnered now a little bit there's there's some writing floating around but but at the moment i'm having sort of more fun doing this so i mean it, you're doing it so well that yeah like i think uh, and there's nothing like again getting rewarded by the market for you to feel like oh maybe i should be doing this uh over you know writing my novel that maybe nobody will read and you know work on that for 20 years my friend has done that yeah uh, it's not an uncommon story it's a hard world for writers now the attention spans are not as high as they yeah. should be yeah definitely so true so true and so so what's coming up next uh rj as we're in like the closing 15 minutes here uh tell us what's uh what are you up to next i mean again that last series i thought was maybe a new summit for you and i kind of you know again like that whole kind of like i almost want to call it like a spectral pastiche mm. you know it's like this pastiche i, I kind of suspected <laughs> it was i thought either you were collaging like taking out figures from previous paintings because they really had a kind of a hockney yeah. uh, look to them but they were 
not paintings I recognize. So I thought that was just a wonderful series and a wonderful use of AI. To me, that's very much one of the things that really excites me about AI is using it as a compositional tool. And I think you're doing it in a really interesting way. And you also are a bit of a, like a tracer. And I use that, like Warhol was a tracer. I'm a big tracer. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, say, before you go on to what's what's coming up next, uh, just on tracing? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, I think uh, I'm I'm all for whatever creates the sort of output that's going to sort of work. Um, I think the interesting thing with with pixels, I think, is that I mean, ultimately, you take any you look at any anything online, anything on a screen, and it's it's pixel art if you zoom in enough. Um, and so, a lot of actually what happens in the sort of translation of this stuff is is it's more a sort of process of of almost simplification than than tracing because you can't. Trace pixel for pixel, it doesn't. It doesn't work. You would be. I don't know how many singular pixels you would. You would have to be using on a, you know, on any sort of given canvas. But it would. I guess you could work it out. But it just. It just wouldn't work. So it's. It's sort of. Um, yeah. It's a. As I said, a process of, of simplification. That's. Um, that's. Uh, yeah. It sort of. I think changes things in a sort of again a way that's just introduces a slight sort of sense of of uncertainty there's something different but it's sort of a little tricky to put your finger on what it is and, it, and i think it's perhaps this this element of of sort of reduction in a way that that introduces um a certain sort of perhaps sort of flatness or boldness or, or something that i think is is good fun that's that's uh, interesting to see and, and really good fun to do. It is interesting. I mean, as you're speaking, I thought it's like almost like there's interpretation going on, of course, when you're tracing, quote unquote, yeah. tracing, right? I mean, to your point, otherwise you're literally tracing it is really just you yeah. know, copying pixel for pixel what's happening. And I actually quite love what you say. When you zoom in, it's all pixel art. That is uh, yeah. an interesting addition to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think you know that's that's one of the things that I think draws me to pixel art is that whenever you're looking at anything on a screen, it's it's fundamentally pixel art because of it's on a screen. You can't get away from that fact. It's just how many have you got. Um, so I think it's this is something fun about pixel art is it's just is it's 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 has an awareness of that fact it, it's it's sort of toying with that the the medium and and um and 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 the form of, of what we're looking at um it's just sort of self-conscious about that which is sort of what i like about pixel art that is uh, another beautiful thought it's almost like it, it's like taking digital art at its kind of elemental core if yeah, I understand yeah, you right, exactly. right? Like it's taking the basic unit of digital art. Yeah, yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, entirely. I love that. I love that. So tell us what you're working on, what you hope to do. Like where, where are things going here? Yeah, what have I got? I've got a, um, what have I got? So I've got uh, a little piece up at the moment on Foundation, which was sort of a self-portraiture one, which was quite good fun because it's probably more recognizable for the actual fact of the work being 
<laughs> copied onto the onto the screen as opposed to the sort of anything figurative um because obviously there's nothing to identify any you know most of most of us here or, or me at least beyond so so what does a self-portrait become when you can't recognize the person um so that was quite good fun i've got a piece for explainer gallery that i think is sort of dropping as it were or sort of being listed tomorrow then a fun project for the end of july that i don't know if i can talk about and then i'm just yeah in a bit of a phase of sort of exploration at the moment to after this sort of last last project to to see to see what comes up and just sort of i don't feel too much sort of pressure to be creating as it were so it's quite nice to just sort of wait and see and find something that that interests me and then just sort of follow it i think that's sort of how i how i sort of tended to work and yes well i'll see where that goes but but there's not i haven't sort of finished that last one and then gone straight away like this is now what i'm gonna do this is what's next so i just have to wait and see i'm having lots of fun yeah exploring sort of ai collaging and, and things at the moment um it's just mad what it can do and and i think does again it's just it's just hyper contemporary there's there's nothing more sort of uh more modern than than this right now and i think that there are lots of possibilities with it that are really interesting so i think i'll probably be playing around with that for a little bit and then uh and and just see where things go beautifully put a wonderful uh statement there so how, i have another couple yeah. of questions here though uh, so first on the self-portrait do you actually are you that dressed up <laughs> no no Definitely okay, not. I'm relieved because yeah. I was like, maybe I need to up my game here. If I, you know, in my little T-shirt here. Yeah, it's... you know, something funny happened to me when I was seeing the tweet that you made, where it's the one that I showed uh, shared here in the spaces. Is it was late at night, and I somehow my mind skipped the self part of self-portrait. <laughs> And I thought that that was a portrait of Coco. It's the the outfit is and looking similar. The screenshot it? Yeah. it shows him in this in this button up shirt, and the shirt is the same color. And uh, you know he's got that dark hair on the back. So I, I <laughs> somehow imagine that that was a portrait of Coco. <laughs> I've thought the same thing when looking at that that tweet as well. I don't normally tuck in my shirt, but maybe I will. I thought that guy looked very handsome from the back. And I thought, you know, like, I want to be the guy who's, like, looks that good while he's working. Like, so, me, you know, it was like, geez, RJ's wearing a suit while he's working here. And it's uh, makes, yeah, it made me feel, yeah, I was like, that's what a pro is doing. Uh, I love that piece, by the way. Has anybody bid on it yet? Um, I don't think so. But again, just I think there's I I quite like every now and again checking the the sort of foundation homepage and you see like thirty live auctions to one hundred and eighty thousand reserve and it's just it's mad that that sort of ratio I think is is just means that their level of expectation should be sort of commensurate to that. <laughs> so it's really just. I think it's 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 all about making something that you like and are proud of and then sort of getting to share it and, and you're sort of already winning at that point, I think. 
Excellent. And one, uh, just one more question here, just, and you don't need to answer this, uh, but just in terms of, uh, do you have favorite softwares that you use? And if you want to keep it a secret and everything, that's cool too, but just curious. Uh, since yeah, we talk, no, we talk are, shop now I, too. Um, and it's, it's actually the software in that, uh, in that uh, most recent portrait work. It's cool. It's literally called pixel art and it's just a free online, like, I don't even know site um, that I use, and uh, I like it because it's sort of very limited, and so you sort of have to work within the restrictions. I've sort of played around on what's it, Asprite um, and Photoshop and, and things, but I just sort of enjoy the the sort of simplicity, the simplicity of this one. And yeah, if you just Google pixel art. I guess drawing or something, you'll probably find it. But yeah, that's literally what it's called. <laughs> and are you using a mouse or do you do a wiggle? I, <laughs> I use a trackpad. Okay, so that's like, so you're using, I'm using your my finger. Is yeah. that correct? Fascinating. Yeah. That is Which fascinating. Yeah, like... see, see, I've seen some tweets being sort of, I make my art with a mouse and I sort of wanted to say, well, I, I use my. A trackpad, but yeah. Very interesting. It makes a difference, you yeah. know, like I make a lot of art on my phone mm. and you do get a different kind of art uh, mark making than you will with, say, an yeah. iPad and a pencil, Apple Pencil or, you know, a mouse or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like using your finger itself uh, does kind of produce its own results sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's all so interesting just that the the different sort of options that that are now available to to make something the different ways you can you can do it you know it's a whole new sort of a whole new as i've said sort of arena it's no longer just sort of well, what what brush are you using but yeah are you using a trackpad or a whack of tablet or it's just yeah it's just really interesting fascinating and one more question are, are you what are you reading right now if anything what am i reading i'm actually reading right now uh, Sabrina by Nick Dranso. And then I've also got Francis Bacon Revelations, which is the big sort of biography on the go at the moment. Interesting. And okay, one second last question, then I'll turn it over to Runetune. Uh, but the uh, you said you studied classics. Were there any, did you, did you study a lot of like Plato, and then could just could tell me <laughs> just a tiny bit about your kind of classics. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so read lots of Latin and Greek, and then in my final year, I specialized in uh, ancient, well, I guess classical philosophy. So did a lot of uh, Plato and Aristotle, and then a lot of the pre-Socratics, and uh, yeah. It was yeah, it was good. It was good fun, and definitely informed a lot of sort of a lot of uh, my sort of academic perspectives. It's sort of that's the that is the sort of foundation. It is sort of what I tend to go back to. I uh, so do I. Yeah, and I uh, yeah, like I mean, it's simply uh, I never. I mean, sounds like you went to a pretty good university over there in London. I. Uh, uh, I never learned ancient Greek or Latin, just certain words that were significant out at the University of Saskatchewan there. But it was, yeah, I mean, it really did change uh, my perspective. And it just, 
it's just uh, there's something about the classics uh, that are really, I guess, for lack of a better word, inspiring and beautiful. Yeah, well, I think what I what I really like about it is is the sort of the long term view, uh, mm. and it it really sort of changes, I think, the way you think about the contemporary because what you sort of might think of as sort of ultra modern might have actually already been sort of done 2000 plus years ago i think i think this all the time when when reading what what are sort of supposedly currently sort of very avant-garde texts and then you can sort of think like oh that was being done in latin poetry sort of whatever bc so so yeah it's interesting it sort of i think um highlights the way in which culture perhaps sort of tends to to cycle a little bit more and and the, what you what you might think of as completely and utterly new turns out not quite to be so it's very it's very humbling yeah. isn't it yeah definitely um yeah yeah so that was my my sort of classics experience Excellent. Any final thoughts for everybody out here, uh, RJ? Um, it would just be thanks to anyone and everyone for tuning in because this is really mad to be doing this. Um, uh, yeah. And I think sort of two odd years ago, back on sort of hen, I, I don't think I could give away 10 editions. So this is now sort of completely surreal. Uh, well, I... Sorry, yeah, and just so just thank you. I'm so thrilled you were willing to do this, RJ, because you are a bit of an <laughs> enigmatic figure out there in Twitter, and you just never know what people are going to say. And so it's a huge delight for me. And I tell you, like, I knew there was depth over there. And uh, after this conversation, that is like confirmed 130%. So I'm very excited uh, to do this. And Runtun, do you have any final thoughts or final questions, comments for RJ? No, you took my last question, which is what? What is your? Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's been a it's been a, a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, RJ. it's been it's been great. It's been really really great. So thank thank you both as well for for hosting. It's uh, it's a joy to take part in something that's doing so much so much good for for sort of all the artists out here. I think any any sort of any attention that can be given to anyone who's sort of out grinding away is is just always going to be super appreciated and you say you know that's why i think this sort of the artist journal show is is doing so much good and these spaces as well so just thank you guys well thank you and too much fun and thank you also to runetune and thank you everybody out here who came out and supported us out here and is listening that is not lost and it's an all-star crowd here uh, once again. So thank you, everybody. And until next time, take care. <laughs> <laughs>